0: Greetings in the wonderful name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We are grateful to our Lord and Savior for giving us this opportunity so we can come together and read his word. I'm Tim Gostube. Today's sermon is a continuation or today's lesson, if I can say, it's a continuation of our four-part series. So basically, this is the third part. Of the three series. The first part we looked at was on sin, and the second one we looked at the blood or the redemption. And now we are on salvation, and we'll have our following session, which will be the last one. So today we are talking about salvation. Shall we read the Bible in the book of Luke, chapter 19, verse 10? We shall read Luke, chapter 19, verse 10 where the Bible says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Who is this Son of Man? It is Jesus Christ. And who is lost? It is the person who is a sinner. It is every person. Time and again, we hear people stand in church, like I am talking, uh, before they preach. They will say, I love Jesus Christ. I've been saved in the blood of the Lamb. You've had people uh, testify in church or wherever they are, they will tell you, I am saved. Today, I want to explain to you what is this salvation, and why is it important? What is this that Jesus Christ is saving us from? Remember, our part one, we talked about sin. If you go back to the original, I'll say, the ancient Hebrew that was uh, that was used in writing the Old Testament, and you look at the definition of the term salvation, that's where you understand that it is a combination Those people, they did not write with the alphabets that we use. They used mostly some drawings. So it was the word salvation is represented by two drawings. The first one is something with devouring teeth and the other one is the eye. If you combine the two, they would give you the meaning of the word where you get to understand that this has to do with a shepherd who is looking into his sheep or his livestock. So what is important is that the shepherd watches over the livestock to save it from predators, from being killed by lions, by bears, or whatever that can attack the livestock. So the person would be responsible and keep an eye on that. So in other words, there should be danger and there should be something that needs to be protected. In the Bible, in the book of Exodus, chapter 14, verse 13, Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid, stand still, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will uh, accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians you see, whom you see today, you shall see again no more. So in this case, there is Israel, which is the nation of God. And then there is Pharaoh's army that is attacking And in front, there is the sea. But my focus is that there is the army, Pharaoh's army, that is attacking. Now, God had to save Israel. The saving part is that he protected them from the attack by Pharaoh. That was salvation. You are saved from something that is going to harm you. Now, you you say, then, what's there for me? Because I'm living in the New Testament. Now, if you come into the New Testament, the the, the same meaning holds, but now the, 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 the approach is a little bit different. The term is used to reference to the deliverance of people from eternal death or from experiencing the wrath of God. That is the danger that is there. Then, God saves them through the Son. As we read that the Son, who is Jesus Christ, came to seek and to save the lost. Now, when we're talking about seeking, it means you are searching the lost. He was seeking. He seeked to save us as human beings. What is the danger that we as human beings face? Romans chapter 1, verse 18 says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Now, we are talking about the wrath of God. What is the wrath of God? Because the Bible is talking about the wrath of God, and Jesus Christ is saving us from the wrath of God. What is, wrath? what is the right? It is defined as God's indignation to sin and punishment for it of it. If I can take you back, if we talk about the righteousness of God, God wants one of His attributes is justice. So everything that is outside or that uh, is sin, justice means it has to get what it deserves. So, Jesus Christ, I mean God, as a God who, who, who is a just God, everything is justified and everything gets what it deserves. So, the wrath of God is revealed against any person that sins against God. If you commit sin, God punishes you, not because he hates you, but it is his character that he is a just God. If we look at the wrath of God in the Old Testament, there are quite a number of instances. I'll just quote one uh, one or two. The first uh, wrath of God where it is revealed, it is revealed in the book of Genesis chapter 19 where we read about Gomorrah and Sodom. We know very well that the people in Sodom practice homosexuality and other things that were against God. So God uh, had to... Destroy that city. It was the wrath of God. Verse twenty four tells us that God rained brimstone and fire on Sodom and Gomorrah. He, brought, he 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 rained brimstone. Some in the current language they call it sulfur. So if you look at sulfur, if you, sulfur burns, although it doesn't burn like fuel, kind of like a petrol or what but it burns and the the, the burning is very, very, very high in temperature. It's something like 160 to 190 degrees Celsius and it it burns. So it just burns everything. So the wrath of God was revealed through the raining of the brimstone and fire that burned Gomorrah and Sodom. That is one instance of the wrath of God. Now, John chapter 3, verse 36 says, reveals that the wrath of God is now on anyone who sins. Anyone who is sinner, who is a sinner, I'm sorry, anyone who is a sinner, the wrath of God just hovers on top of that person. The wrath of God is there. We're grateful for Jesus Christ that He is able, if you get saved, to remove the, the, the wrath of God. Romans two, Romans 2, verse 6 to 8 says, God will repay each person's, his person according to what they have done. To those who by pestilence in doing good seek glory, honor, immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. There will be wrath and anger. God will punish those that are sinners, people who have not accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why in our first part, we had to define what we meant by sin. Why are we referred to as sinners as human beings? What does it come to me if I'm just born a swati person or whatever nationality you are? What does it come to you because you were not even there when Adam sinned? But we learn in the book of Romans that through one man, sin entered the world. So there is the wrath of God to anyone who is a sinner. Even if we take the, 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 the sin of Adam out, out, which is the sin for every person, and talk about sin that you, you do as a human being, the little sins that you do, the lies and all those things, which are against God. Because sin, basically, if I can define it, is where you do something that is against God. That's why sometimes it's referred to as unrighteousness because you are supposed to do things that are right, which is righteousness, but you do something that is not right. You know very well you shouldn't lie, but you lie. You, should, you know very well you shouldn't fornicate, you fornicate. You know very well you shouldn't do this, and you do it. The Holy Spirit tells you, we call it in siswati nembeza tells you which is your, your, your inner man, tells me that what you are doing is wrong. That's why the Bible talks, one person will ask actually, what will happen to those who, people who died before they hear the gospel, more especially in us in the African part? What is good is that the Bible says, in the, in the, in the days of ignorance, God overlooked. But we know that those people had the inner man that told them that what they were doing was right. They, it has always been known that killing is not something that is accepted and lies and all those things. So, we are telling, God is telling us there is wrath and anger against everyone who does or who commits sin. So, anybody who has not accepted Jesus Christ, there is the wrath of God. Now, the wrath of God is revealed on this earth as I've talked about Gomorrah and Sodom, but it is also revealed in the eternal or in eternity. Matthew 25 verse 41 says, Then he will say to those who are in in his left side, Depart from me, you who are cast into eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. That's the eternal wrath of God where you experience it. That is where there is the eternal fire. I know there are teachings and some people, they actually now do not believe that there is hell. I believe the Bible, there is hell. Further, if you don't believe it, there is the devil and there is the evil power. I always want like to give this example. If you don't believe in spirit in the evil spirits, if you pray for someone and the demons speak through this person, that's where you realize the spirituality. That there is a spiritual world and there are evil spirits. They are real. Unfortunately, they know their destination. It is the eternal fire. They experience the wrath of God. They are experiencing the wrath of God because the fact that they are rejected and separated from God and they are waiting for their eternal, uh, 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 their, their time to burn in hell forever and the torture that is there, that is eternal wrath of God. That is experience. You experience it as a human being. When you die, immediately you're done, it's over. You can never be saved. So that's why we're talking about salvation, that as long as you live, there's an opportunity for you to reconcile with God, which is through salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. So the devil and his fallen angels sinned against God, and because of his justice, they are worthy of their wrath. Now, I want to talk about the love of God. As we discussed in the past uh, sermon, chapter 2, in the part of the series, there is the love of God. The love of God forced him to reconcile with human beings. We know very well in the Old Testament that he reconciled with human beings through through the, the use of sacrificial animals. They will kill a lamb or whatever animal as stated in the laws of Moses, and that will reconcile them to God. They will have their relationship with God restored. In other words, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 11, that the blood which is shed in the, it was shed on the altar, uh, which was the blood of bulls and the blood of gold, or of course, I'm sorry, could not take away the sin of man. It could just cover. It could not take away the sin of man. We know very well that the blood represented atonement. So you had, there had to be the shedding of blood. So Jesus Christ had to come on earth and die for us as human beings. And his blood redeemed us. And his blood atoned for our sin, if I can use the term. It paid for the debt that we, we, we could not pay. That is what the Lord Jesus Christ did when he came on earth. And this was the love of... I want to explain what love is. The Bible talks about Jesus Christ as the gift. Now, if you read the first book of Ephesians chapter 7, 1 verse 7, it talks about it is through the blood we are redeemed and our sins are forgiven. It is through the blood of Jesus Christ. It was the blood that was shed on Calvary. So God gave Jesus Christ as a gift, a gift you give to someone you love. And when you give that gift, it's because you expect that person to enjoy or to appreciate the gift that you're giving that person. And you cannot give a person You cannot give a gift, I'm sorry, to someone who don't like. So God loved human beings. That he decided to give a gift was Jesus Christ. As the book of John chapter 3 verse 6 states that he loved the world, that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. That is the Lord Jesus Christ who came on earth to die for our sins. So salvation comes only through the Son, Jesus Christ. It is not something that you can think about or something that is uh, actually not there. It is there you get saved and you reconcile with the Lord. Now, since the blood of Jesus Christ was shed many, many years ago, we are counting 2023 as I'm preaching now, we are saying that's 2023, 2023 years since Jesus Christ left the earth. So it's something that over 2,000 years ago since the blood of Jesus Christ was shed on Calvary. But we know this, that it is through one man that sin entered the world and it's through one man that we live, who is the Lord Jesus Christ. So Jesus Christ came to save us from the wrath of God. Instead of us experiencing the wrath of God like the demons or the fallen angels and the devil experience and will experience, which is eternal separation from God and those things that I explained in the book of Revelations, that what is happening in hell. If you accept Jesus Christ, you are saved from experiencing the wrath of God. You are saved from being lost to eternal death. Your life is restored to God's original position, which is the position where you have the fellowship with the Lord God Almighty. Salvation is a gift, as I've said. Romans 8 verse 15 says, But the gift... That's the word. But the gift is not like the trespass. For if the, for if the man died by the trespass of one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to many. Through one man, Jesus Christ, we are saved. And this is the gift that God has for us as humanity. It is God who gave us the Lord Jesus Christ. So you shouldn't then bother about how am I going to be saved? Should I uh, do by this or all those kind of things that maybe we can say, maybe I should bring a white coat or bring whatever. No, forget about that thing. Jesus Christ died once and for all, and we have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, with the Lord God Almighty. Now, But just before I I get into how we get into salvation, I want to explain that uh, salvation is coupled with repentance. That's why in the Bible we have John, John the Baptist, who was there, his mission was to preach about repentance. What is repentance? Repentance means that if I am facing this direction and I'm going to that direction, if I repent, I turn and go the other direction. In other words, you stop doing what you were doing, what was wrong. In other words, if you are a thief, repentance means you realize that "Ah, what I'm doing is wrong and you stop doing it and you do the right thing. A mistake is is to advise people or to preach to people to be saved without telling them about repentance. Because you have to realize the sins that you you are doing. You realize that the lies you are doing is not a good thing. You have to realize that the sin, the sexual immorality that you engage in, no matter how much you justify it, if you realize that it is wrong and you repent, it means if you were a homosexual, you stop. It means if you were maybe doing something that is Maybe whatever is wrong, whatever you, you can tell, you stop. If you're a thief, you stop stealing. If you, if you take things through the back door, you stop doing that and you do the right thing. That is repentance. So everyone who wants to be saved, you have to repent. You don't have to forego that. Second Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10 says, Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation. And it leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. So you have to have the sorrow. As the word of God is preached, as you realize that if you don't have the son, who is Jesus Christ, you are condemned. You will be experiencing the eternal, eternal death and you will be experiencing the wrath of God, which is the separation from God, no relationship with God when you die. That is what happens if you are not saved. So you need to repent and realize the wrong when the word of God you read or if you hear someone preaching like I'm preaching and God speaks to you that what I'm doing is not right. Listening to that kind of music that does not edify God. Because by the way, you should experience some of the things that you see in music. Actually, everything that happens on this earth, there is a spirit behind Every music, that you, every song, or everything that you listen to, there is a spirit behind. It's either the spirit that is from the Lord, or it is a spirit from the devil. It might be a movie, it might be anything, there is a spirit behind. So if you're listening to music that is not Christ-centered, where that talks about God, or that is sang by someone who edifies God, or who brings glory to God, and that music is devil-inspired, it, it drives you away from God. Because the devil is very busy. You need to know that. He's very busy. His main objective is that people die before they accept the Lord Jesus Christ. That is main, that's his main, main, main objective. As long as people go just to the grave before they say, Jesus Christ, I accept you. As my Lord and Savior. So we need to be careful about that. We have to repent. When the Word of God says, you know what, what you're doing is not right. Don't harden your heart. Don't harden your heart because one of the things that we do, we harden our hearts. God tells you what you are doing is not right. Stop what you are doing. But you harden your heart. You harden your heart because you want to continue. That's the only thing that is good about God. He has put a sensor in each and everyone's per- everyone that what you are doing is right. Regardless of who you are, you might be the, 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 the most shrewd person on earth. You know what is right and what is wrong. It might only be that you have done it so much such that your, your, your conscience has been crushed, but you know it is wrong. Thieves, you can ask any thief today, he will tell you, we knew what we're doing, what we are doing is not right. Because God is in every person. He put his things in us. Now, the question is, how are we going to be saved? He has provided this salvation. He has provided a way to reconcile us to him. He has said, here is my son, Jesus Christ. He has died on the cross. Everything is available now. It is all on your decision. It's all on you to make a right decision to say, Jesus Christ, come unto me. But how do we get saved? Salvation is actually something, I know we are told to raise hands in church, but it is all in, or centered in faith and confession. Ephesians 2 verse 8 to 9, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. It is through faith. And this is not from yourself. It is the gift of God, not by works so that one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Salvation is a gift from God, and the gift we accept through faith. There is nothing that you do other than confessing with your mouth that Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose from the grave. Romans 10 verse 9 is another very important verse that we use uh, uh, for, for, for when we preach to people about salvation. Let me read it to you. Romans 10 verse 9 to 10 said, If you declare with your mouth, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's salvation. That's the process. It's a faith-based process. And you declare with your mouth that Jesus Christ, you died on the cross. You declare that Jesus Christ, you are Lord. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith. And are saved. That's why we encourage that when we make an utter call and call people to salvation, we make them confess with the mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's very, very basic and very important to our faith. We have to confess with our mouth. And other thing, that is a start of the salvation. I know that It gets more complicated now. Maybe in our churches we've been taught that you are saved uh, once. Yes, you are saved once. But the salvation that I've just declared, which is accepting the Lord Jesus Christ, declaring with your mouth and believing, that is the start of your salvation. Salvation is an ongoing process that you actually do each and every day. It will cease when we get to heaven and you see him face to face, Luke chapter 11, verse four, if you read the Lord's, paper, the Lord's Prayer says, "Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us, or our debtors, to be precise. Forgive us our sins." That's a daily prayer for a Christian. He seeks forgiveness, because our bodies are inclined to sin. So, as a daily way of life, God forgive me from this, not only seeking forgiveness, you also repent some of these things God tells you what you are doing is right or what you did is right, because God speaks, you actually even know when you said something that is wrong, God will tell you no, this you are not supposed to say this, and you correct it. So it is always important to listen to God. First John chapter three, verse uh, three says, "All who have this hope in him." purify themselves just as he is poor, pure. It's a daily thing to purify yourself in the faith. God forgive me for my sins. God make me holy. I've sinned against you. I've done what is unacceptable and please forgive me. And then you restore the relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We restore the relationship, relationship I'm sorry, with God. And when the the, the relationship has been restored, you and you can no longer experience the wrath of God that is why salvation is important it restores your relationship with God it restores your fellowship with God it is re, it restores your human being your, your what God wants you to be it is only through the blood that was shed on Calvary I want to take this time and give you an opportunity to do what we've done. What we've talked about, accepting Jesus Christ. If you are here and you've been watching, or God has spoken to you in several ways that you need to accept Jesus Christ, and you want to commit your life to God, I want to give you this opportunity. Say this prayer after me. Father God, I confess the sins I've done. I repent of them. I declare that you are Lord. You died and rose again. You came on earth in the flesh and you rose again after you died. Please forgive me from every sin and make me holy. I accept you and make you Lord of my life. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. If you prayed that prayer with faith, you are saved. You can write to us or call us. We will be more than happy to help you and assist you in your walk with Christ, in your first uh, steps, and to grow in Him, and you have eternal life. As I speak, if you've done that prayer, and you di- if you did it, you accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, You will never experience the wrath of God. God has restored you, and now you are his son and his heir. May the Lord bless you. Hope to meet you next week as we talk about the last verse, which is the fellowship with God.